praise Jesus. We thank you. Lord, as we look around this room this morning, we may not be many in number in relation to the city in which we live. We may seem insignificant, but we must never forget that we are your people, called by your name. And Lord, we will not forget that Bethlehem was least among the towns and the cities of its time. But because you had decreed that a Savior would come from Bethlehem, because you had decreed thousands of years before through your prophets that a Savior would be born in such an insignificant place, the town that was called least, the town that was pushed to the back of the queue, the town that had no importance attached to it other than the importance that you had given it. Lord, we thank you that the Savior was born in the most unnoticed of places. The Savior was born in the most insignificant of towns, the least among all. And yet you had prized it, you had destined it for great things. And whilst we may look around today, and we may look, naturally speaking, and see the insignificance of our number, the weakness of our lives, we thank you that your promises and your word over your people is this. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not grow faint. You will rise up with wings as of eagles and soar and reign in life. Not because we can do it. We will run and grow weary in and of ourselves. But by your spirit, there is no weariness but rest. By your spirit, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. For thou art with us. Lord, we thank you that our gathering today is in your name. And because it's in your name, you are here in the midst. You are in this place. And because you have declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This place will be a beacon of light. This place will be like a city on a hill. This place will rise, shine, for the glory of the Lord will be upon its people. And Lord, we declare it and we thank you for it. That you do not look for the strong, but you look for the weak. You do not look for those who are wise in their own eyes, but those who are foolish. Lord, you do not look for the educated necessarily, but the uneducated too. And Lord, we thank you that you drew simple shepherds to yourself and yet kings as well. All came to adore you. All came to worship you. All came to lay their lives down before you because you are the Lord of all the earth. You have the name above every name and at your name every knee will bow. So Lord, we pray right now as we come to your word. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see. 
We pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in the knowledge of him, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would not just think on a low level through our mind, but our hearts and our spirit would receive a word even like Mary received a word where she said, be it done, be it done unto me according to what you have said. So Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, speak above my voice. Speak above my voice and impregnate your people with life. You said I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And our experience may be contradicting your promise, but Lord, you have declared that I have come that you might have life. And as your word enters our world, into our spirit, into our hearts, it is that abundance of life that breaks forth, that defies all the limitations that we are under, that breaks all of the restrictions that we have accepted, that enlarges our expectation, that enlarges our experience, that opens our mind to another realm, the realms of heaven where kingdom can come on earth, the kingdom of heaven can come into our little world and make it so much bigger, so much more blessed, so much more full of you, Jesus. We ask you for it because without you, we are poor. Without you, we are in need. Without you, Lord, there is no hope, but with you, all things are possible to those who believe that we could even speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and thrown into the sea. To think that we could be more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Just to think that we can do all things because you enable us to do. Oh, break the limitations that we hold you in Jesus, please. Break those limitations that we imprison you in. Our doubts, turn them into faith. Lord, our wandering mind, let it be the mind of Christ, we pray. Holy Spirit, let us be your vessel. Let us be your temple, we pray. As we are on the eve of a new year, we, we pray that it would be the year where you declare, I will do a new thing says the Lord. And the old things, remember no more, we pray that for everybody's experience, and more so even above the experience of, experiences of our lives, we pray that our life in you would soar like never before. We pray, Lord, that you would fill our minds and wash our minds and wash our lives of all of the old baggage that seems to have chained us and manacled us to the past. We pray, Lord, that like Paul and Silas in that prison, when they were restricted and bound up, we pray, Lord, that a prayer of faith would rise to you and others would hear it. We pray that a song of praise, Lord, would draw you into the prison and cause a great earthquake to break us free of all of the restrictions that hold us. And we would go rejoicing and know Knowing you as the God, not of just Moses, not of just Gideon, not just of all the patriarchs and the apostles, but we would know you as Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. The 
that you would not just be a historical figure in a window that we see as we pass a cathedral, but you would be living in us, that your word would be pulsating through our spirit, and we would believe when we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. We would believe when we prophesy to nations that there would be no fault with the word that we give. We pray, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, and as you were born in that young virgin that accepted your word, we pray, as Paul prayed for the Galatians, that you would be formed in us. He said, I pray that Christ would be formed within you. And we ask you with all of our hearts, Jesus, there are so many things in our lives that stand up as enemy to you being formed. Temptations of many kinds, things and desires that would pull us back, but we pray that you would be formed. You would be formed and you would be the Lord, not of all the earth and the universe, which you surely will be one day, but you would be Lord of our lives, Jesus. Lord of every temptation. Lord of every distraction. Lord of everything that would pull us back and hold us away from you, Lord. Because, Lord, when you are Lord, life is beautiful. Life is incredible. Life is wonderful. So we ask you for it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Come on. Everybody said, when you say amen, you declare with your mouth, so shall it be. So shall it be. We thank you for it, Jesus. Amen. Woo! Fantastic. You can be seated. Wonderful. Awesome. Let's give our musicians a massive appreciation this morning. Do you know what? Year in, year out, these guys do not fail us. They are there for us and minister to us. So that's wonderful. We want to bless them. I want to begin by reading to you from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. We're going to get stuck into it. We're going to read from God's Word. How many people are excited for Christmas? Woohoo! Only a few more days to go. By the end of the week, we're going to be waking up, and it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be wonderful. It is a wonderful season. You walk through the shops, and you hear the singing. You hear the carols. You walk down the streets. You see the lights. It's great. Christmas is about giving and receiving. It's, it's about us being generous to one another. And it's a wonderful season. And I believe that that is why it's so widely accepted across the world. Because it's a moment where we can take time to be with one another. It's a moment where we can take time to prepare our gifts and just show practically how we love each other. It's, it's a wonderful occasion. I want to read to you from Luke chapter 1. This is where it all began. It really is. And it's, it's all about when an angel, the angel Gabriel, visited Mary as a young virgin. It says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, 
of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall be called, or and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who, has, who, for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Do you know the greatest moments in our lives are moments when God speaks to us. And I'm not talking about necessarily an angelic visitation like Mary got. I don't know if anybody's ever seen an angel. I haven't seen one, only my wife. Oh, come on. That deserved a massive round of applause. Only my wife. My angel. And I mean that. I mean that. Really do. Yet the greatest moments in our lives is when we hear God speak to us. And, you know, God speaks to us in funny kinds of ways. He doesn't speak to us like necessarily, I, I'm speaking to you this morning. He doesn't only speak to us through a visitation of an angel, although you may get one of those. But sometimes it's through a still, small voice, a little voice that speaks to you that's higher than your own, that's different in its nature. It's different in its source, and you know that it's not from you, but it's from God. A little small voice. Mary hears this voice through an angel. It's an audible voice. She sees the angel, and suddenly her whole life begins to take on a new meaning. Because in God's word and in that declaration that Gabriel made to her is her future. Everything that she needs to know about her future is in that word that Gabriel gave her 
when she was in Nazareth. Nazareth was the place that had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. It was a dead-end place. It was a place where nobody had any kind of expectation, where nobody had any future. It was so dead-end that it had this, this reputation hanging over it as a town. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And that's the place that the angel chose. That is the place that Gabriel chose to visit to meet Mary, this young woman. And he announced to her that Jesus, the Savior, would be born through her. It's incredible what God does when he impregnates your life with his word. When he speaks to you in that, in that moment when he speaks to you, everything begins to change. Everything begins to happen. And what is important in those moments is that you embrace it. That you take it. That you receive it as this young woman did. She said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. And even your explanation to me doesn't really make sense that the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow me. And Christ, this Savior, is going to be conceived in me as a result of this overshadowing. I don't understand it because it defies everything that's natural. But I accept it. I accept it. Be it done, she says, unto me according to your word. Do you know the time in which Mary and Joseph lived was a very dark time. The time in which Mary and Joseph lived was a very hostile time. It wasn't a good time for a savior to be born on the surface of things. It wasn't a good time for God to do something really when you looked at all of the outer circumstances. We like people want to get all of the outer circumstances ordered in order to make a move, in order to do something with our lives. We want everything to line up. We want everything to be right and in place. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But God couldn't have chose a worse time than to bring Jesus into the world. It was a dark time. The whole nation had been closed down for 400 years under a curse that Malachi had had to deliver because the people had been disobedient. The, the last word that the last prophet spoke in the Old Testament was a word of curse over the nation. And the the nation had gone into complete darkness for 400 years. And then in this dark moment in a dead-end town, Gabriel comes and announces that the Savior is going to be born through a virgin. And it's not going to be conventional. It's going to be completely unconventional. It's going to be completely out of the box when God wants to do something with your life. It's not necessarily going to be in the confines of convention and logic. When God wants to do something with your life, it's going to be illogical. It's going to, be, it's going to test your mental strength and it's going to break it. And it's going to demand a faith and an acceptance from you because he's going to lead you on a journey that's strange, that could be foreign, that, that could raise all kinds of complaints from others. But because you've accepted his word, you're going to trust him and he's going to bring you on through into everything he's planned for you. This is the message of Christmas. This is the story 
of Christmas, of Gabriel going to a poor town, of Gabriel going to a poor virgin that didn't have anything really about her life that the world would have said, hey Mary, you're the girl, hey Mary, you're the one that's going to be highly favoured. No, she wasn't. Everything external put her to the back of the queue. Everything external would have called her foolish and not acceptable. And yet God prizes her and announces her as being highly favoured, chosen by God. And he takes up again, as he so often does, a foolish virgin that the world would look at and say, hey, listen, nothing good is going to come out of you. You've grown up in a back town village. You've grown up with, with, with a crowd of people that have got nothing going for them. And God takes her up and says, I'm going to use you. And I'm going to bless the world through you. God comes in this darkness. God comes into this chaotic time in which they were living. Christmas is a message of faith triumphing over fear. It's, 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 it's a message of trust triumphing over trials and troubles and difficulties. I, I think, you know, when I read this this morning, I think when Mary initially got this moment, with the angel where God just begins to unpack her future to her in a few sentences, I believe that she was excited. I believe suddenly the hopelessness of her past and the hopelessness of her environment began to fade away. She was favored by God. The, re the reality of knowing that God's favor is on you is a wonderful thing. The reality and the revelation of knowing that God loves you, that he's not angry with you, that, that he's not rejected you, is a liberating thing for your life. And suddenly, in the midst of 400 years of religious darkness, in the midst of 400 years of, of nothing happening, suddenly her heart is awakened to everything that God wanted to do with her. You know, we can be, like I prayed, a little insignificant company in relation to the city in which we live, in relation to the nation that surrounds us. Our, our, our company can seem so small. Our contribution can seem sometimes so insignificant. But when Jesus is in the midst, anything can happen. And even the darkest of days can be a moment where he moves like he's done on so many occasions throughout the Bible. Mary gets this word and it seems as if everything is, being, is going forward in her life. Have you ever had moments where you think, man, life is so good? Don't all respond at once. <laughs> it is. Look, even if you haven't, just say you have. Have you ever had moments in your life where you think, man, things are going forward for me. Things are going well. Brilliant, Mick. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. It is awesome. Woo! And you're excited. You're dreaming. 
And you're anticipating all of the things that are going to happen in your future. Your future is not this grey picture. But it's an exciting one. Why? Because God has spoken into your spirit. Or you've got an opportunity. And you think, man, I want to use this opportunity. You've got a promotion in work. You think, oh man, I am going up the ladder. Thank you very much. And you begin to dream. Come on. We're just human beings. And we get excited about things. I'm going up the ladder. Or you think, you know what? It's brilliant. My home, my family, my children, my wife, everything is in its place. It's really good. I'm really fulfilled. It's, I couldn't ask for more. Mary was at a moment like that. On this day, when Gabriel just came into the room, it was a normal day. Could have been a Monday or a Tuesday. He didn't meet her in the temple when she was singing, What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. I'm selling tapes. Oh, no, we don't do tapes now, do we? I always say tapes. We're selling. Look, I will make them if you want them. People, if you want them, I will do them. And do you know what? I won't even charge you. I will give you them for free. Oh, yeah. You can have it for free, man. And you don't have to have one, two. You can have three or four. Give them to your friends, family. This place will be packed. That's right. (laughs) Trish, you little tinker. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. So, yeah, she wasn't singing. She was in Nazareth, in this little, you know, beat-up house. Little beat-up shack, man. She didn't have a nice plush house where God visited her. She wasn't from good stock. Nothing wrong with having a nice house. Brilliant. Awesome. We'll celebrate anything in this place. But what I'm just trying to tell you is, listen, don't give up on yourself. Don't look at what what circumstances you're in and say, oh, do you know what? I'll never get out of this. Don't look at your surroundings and exclude yourself from God visiting you. No, he visited a poor virgin in a back street town that had an awful reputation and he comes in and he filled her low expectation with excitement, her low expectation with vision. Vision. Vision is not me and you concocting, you know, imaginations in our mind that, that, you know, to do something great. No, that's delusions of grandeur. Vision is when God comes in and God encounters your, your limitations and your restrictions and he just takes the ceiling off your life and suddenly you get a vision of what God wants, not just from your low estimation of yourself on your imaginations, but you get a vision for what God wants with your life and you say, yes! So this is what it's about. So this is why I've been born. So this is my contribution. She gets that moment of incredible excitement. And you could say that she's racing forward. She's racing forward in her expectation. She's racing forward as she 
visits Elizabeth and, and sees the impossible become possible as Elizabeth, the one that was barren, is bearing a son who would be John the Baptist in her old age. And God is doing incredible things. And she hasn't even come to the King's Church on Lower Dock Street, friends. God's doing it in Nazareth. Incredible. On a normal day, not a Sunday, not a Sabbath, not in the temple, they were a bunch of deadheads. Nothing had happened in that place for 400 years. And God is visiting a young virgin in the back street streets of Nazareth where nothing good comes out of. And he is impregnating her with vision, encounter. Going forward, excited for the future. But you know, very often, sometimes, when we go forward... We encounter challenges and opposition. We encounter things that we would never expect. Sometimes the favor of God is not always accepted by others. The first hurdle, the first obstruction is when she begins to tell Joseph, the one that she was betrothed to, about this encounter about what was going to happen in her life and her future. And Joseph graciously says, listen, we can't get married. This is a disgrace. Can you imagine the mental disappointment? She loved Joseph. Joseph loved her. But now God's word was dividing them. God's word was testing them. But they said, she, sorry, she, she never complained. She never turned around and said to God, hey God, do you know when you visited me a few weeks ago in Nazareth and I said, let it be done unto me according to your word. I will go with what you're saying. I do accept the vision of heaven for my life. But I didn't realize that Joseph was going to break off this engagement. I didn't realize that this was going to change my future. It's all over. No, you hear no complaint. Quietly this woman Gently, this woman accepts the consequences even of the decision from the man that she loved. Graceful woman. Highly favored. That's why God chose her. God saw qualities in this woman, in this young woman, Mary, that were unusual, that were unique. And he said, listen, she may have grown up in this backstreet town, she may have nothing going for her that people would, would, would point to. But I see something in her. That through all of the trials and the troubles, through all of the changes, she'll be unmoved for me to bring about my plan and my purpose. And she accepts it. But as she's going forward, there was trial after trial. God sorts out Joseph. He embraces it as, as, he, as, as an angel in a dream explains to him that the Christ in her would be the savior of the world. He accepts that. And suddenly now they're on a course where things are changing for both of their lives. They come to Jerusalem 
Caesar Augustus had issued a census and now suddenly they're having to move from Nazareth all the way to Jerusalem, an 80-mile journey, and Mary's pregnant. Circumstance now is forcing them to make decisions that they were unaware that they would have to make. But in the mix of it all, God is behind the scenes and prophecy after prophecy is being fulfilled. But we could say that Mary doesn't really think that she's going forward. It seems as if everything is going backwards. Maybe you've gone through this year and at the outset of the year you had great plans to go forward. And suddenly now on the close of this year you look back and you think, Lord, I've not gone forward, I've gone backwards. But if you're going backwards or you feel you're going backwards, let me say this to you. It could be, it just could be that it's God that's in charge of your life. And his journey and his path for you is different to the path that you would have taken. They're getting forced by circumstance to make decisions that they didn't know that they would have to make. And at the end of it all, They land in Jerusalem. Mary's heavily pregnant. And this woman that's highly favored, maybe doesn't feel favored by the outer circumstances that are surrounding her. Church, you're highly favored of God. You're chosen by him. You're the apple of his eye. That is what he declares over you. His love for you is like no other love. You cannot be separated from his love. That's in, you cannot be separated from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And yet many times the world in which we live, the circumstances that we face, the decisions that we have to make, all contradict everything that God has declared over us. It's normal. It's normal. And we see it heavily in the life of Mary. Her life on one hand, as she accepts God's word, begins to go forward. But on another hand, as she walks the road of obedience to God's will, it looks as if everything is going backwards. Heavily pregnant, they go to an inn. She's about to deliver the Son of God into the world and there is no room there. The God of the universe that ordered the creation in Genesis 1 in six days. And everything is successive. Everything is unified. On this night, it seems so unordered. It seems as if the God of foresight, the God of great planning, the God of great order can't even get a place for them to stay. Looks as if things are going backwards, not forwards. They can't get any room in the inn. She knows that she has the child of God inside her. She knows all of the supernatural things that have occurred in her life. But now they're at a place where they don't know where to go. And the son of God is about to be born. And they're shunted into a stable. And he gets born in an animal feeding trough. Let me tell you, friends, that's backward. That's not going forward. Your mind will, will, will convince you that the plan and the purpose of God is not going forward for you when situations like that occur. It shouldn't be like this. Every mum deserves the right to bring 
their baby into a clean and a pure environment. Every mom de de uh, deserves the right of the privacy of that moment, and she is in a cattle shed giving birth to the Son of God down some back street in Bethlehem. God will work outside of the confines of our expectations. God will work outside of the limitations of our mind. God will work outside, far outside of our comfort zone, of what we want. God will perform his will and get into our world and do things that we reject, do things that we won't accept, but do them he will. And this is the story of Mary, but the wonderful thing is, because of her faith, because her heart had united with that word. Be it done unto me, she said, according to your word. She was a servant to the word of God. She was a servant to everything that God would do in her life. And suddenly shepherds are coming. The lowest of the low, he's drawing. And the sign to them was this, you will find a baby in a manger. That was the declaration from the angels to the shepherds who, who were on the hills. You will find a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And as they enter that barn, they see him and they worship him. And then there's wise men coming, the greatest of the great He's, he's drawing to him the lowest of the low and the greatest of the great, the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich, the most despised and the most influential. It doesn't matter who you are in this world. Jesus Christ is the center. Jesus Christ is the Lord and he will be relevant to all sections of society. He will be relevant to every man, woman and child right across this globe because he is the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the bright morning star. He really is. It doesn't matter what you've got or what you haven't got. Jesus draws all to him. He really does. He's wonderful. And then suddenly, after they had given their gifts, this king, this other king, Herod, he is not accepting what has happened. He's troubled by it. And he goes on a mad, vicious rampage to seek out the Son of God. And that, but to add to this, the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. You can read it. And do you know what the angel says? He doesn't say, I'm going to take Herod out. I'm going to be your deliverer. I'm going to be your strong tower in which you can hide. No. Do you know what, do you know what the angel says? Flee to Egypt. Run for your life. Backward, backward. This is the God of the universe that hung the stars in place, that put the sun and the moon in their positions, that put the earth in its course. This is the God of all flesh, of whom there is nothing too difficult or too hard. And now the angel of God is saying to Joseph in a dream, get Jesus and Mary out of here as quick as you can. Flee to Egypt, flee, run. To Egypt, Egypt, the place that had the history of slavery, where the people of God were delivered from. The Son of God is going to be brought up there for two years, but again, this would fulfill a prophecy 
that was spoken thousands of years ago over the Son of God, out of Egypt I will call my son. Oh my God, I tell you something now. God is awesome. He's wonderful. And sometimes we only interpret the circumstances of our life and say, do you know what? They're vacant of God. God is not maneuvering or moving us anywhere. It's, it's difficult. It's hard. And we can't see anything working and being placed together. But my Bible tells me this, like your Bible tells me this, that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. And he can take any circumstance. He can take the vicious, murderous intent of a king that wipes out tens of thousands of children and use it for his purpose. I don't know how he does it, but he can do it. And in the time, the right time, God called his son from Egypt. And they came back. But they didn't come back to a favorable environment. They didn't come back to sit on a throne or to, to entertain royalty in a palace. They went back to Nazareth, the place that had no reputation, of, had, had a reputation of nothing good coming out of it. You may look today and you may think, do you know what? I had so many hopes for my life great aspirations. I remember there, were a, there was a day in my life where I thought, you know, I've got a future. There was a time in my life where I thought, my life's going to be good. Everything's happening. And suddenly, everything falls to the ground. Backwards, backwards, backwards. You're not moving forwards in your mind. You're moving backwards and you can't get out of it circumstances pushing circumstance and chance and chaos is the navigator of your life well I just want to say to you God's got other plans for your life other intentions keep with him just keep following keep trusting you don't have to understand you really don't trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust, therefore, in the Lord. This was a woman. This was a man that trusted in the Lord with all their heart. They could have leaned on their understanding. They could have broken and caved in by their reason, but they chose not to. They trust the Lord. They trusted in the Lord even when circumstance was hitting them to the left and to the right. And they trusted him. And they performed God's will. Israel were in Babylon. They weren't moving forward. They were in a backward place many years before Christ came. And it was right at the outset of them entering Babylon, the place where really they shouldn't have been, that God said this. Now, they were going to be there for 70 years. They had 70 years ahead of them. The city was burned, Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelites were completely captive. 
Women had been raped, babies had been killed. It was the worst day in the history of that land. And Jeremiah, the prophet, said this to them. In, in the most horrid time of their lives, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They were on their way being exiled like refugees to a land that they didn't want to go to. But Jeremiah, as they left, spoke the promises of God over them. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, no matter where you go, no matter, even though you're going backwards into a place called Babylon, even though you're going to be captive for 70 years, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases towards you. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. When you wake up in that place that you don't want to be, they're new every morning to you. Great is his faithfulness. And whilst they were there in that terrible place, God said through the prophet Jeremiah, you're going to be here for 70 years, settle down, you're not going anywhere. But I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans that are good. Plans that are not evil. And I'm telling you now, circumstance may have had its way with your life. Circumstance may have convinced you that nothing good is going to come out of you. Maybe like it did for Mary in that place of Nazareth. But God knows the plans that he has for you. Plans for good and plans not for evil. Think about Joseph, that young kid that had the multicolored coat that grew up under his father's favor in Genesis. He had a dream. He started out with great expectation. Then for 13 years, he was hit and beaten by circumstance. He wanted to go forward as a 17-year-old kid with the dreams that he had within his heart. And then his brothers are throwing him in a pit. He's in a slave market. He's been accused of all kind of immoral things. And then he ends up at the end of it all in a prison. You can't get more backward than that, friends. But sometimes God is taking you on a journey. You're not going backwards, you're actually going forwards. Because at the end of it all, Joseph was positioned to be the greatest statesman in Egypt and across the world under Pharaoh. Moses, we could go through the list. All of God's servants, men and women, have gone on a journey where they encounter God, where they receive a word for their lives and they think, yes, I'm going forward. And suddenly everything begins to get complicated and chaotic. Moses wants to release the people 40 years too early and he kills an Egyptian in defense of one of the Israelites. He'd grown up in a palace. He had everything going for him and then suddenly he feels the wrath of Pharaoh. He runs for his life and what happens? He's going backwards in a desert for the next 40 years of his life. But God knows the plans that he has for that man. And then as an 80-year-old man, suddenly God says, now's your time, now's your day. You're going to deliver my people. What? He's not in the King's Church on Lower Dock Street, friends. He's in the backside of the desert and a bush is burning. God can speak to you anywhere. Anywhere. Isn't it wonderful? It could be in your room tonight. 
It could be walking down the street. It could be in your work. And you get a moment where the king speaks to you. And everything changes. He could speak to you in the king's church. I hope he does. He spoke to me many times, and I'm sure you too, many times in this place. They were going forward. But the message of life was this to them as a young couple. You're going backwards. You're going backwards. Sometimes life is full of contradictions. But all I'm saying to encourage you today is this. Trust him when you can't trace him. Trust him when circumstance and even your own mind objects to the promise that he has given you. Even when, can I ask the musicians to come? Even when you say, it can't be. It can. It can. Let me finish by saying this. Little testimony, is that okay? Gone over a little bit this morning. I remember years ago, my brother who's here this morning. We grew up in uh, Ebervale, living with my nan and gramp. And uh, I remember one day, my brother struggling in his walk and just wondering what was going to be his career path. He wanted to be a salesman. But there was no opportunities no jobs on the job board. You're in Ebervale. You ain't going to be a salesman. And then one day my grandfather came home. He used to do a lot of walking. And he walked past this factory. And a moment came where the Holy Spirit spoke to him in a still small voice and said, Go home. Tell Jonathan I found him a job. So Grant, you see, he was a man of faith. He had a prophetic spirit. So when the Lord would speak, immediately he would embrace it. And it was, because God had said it. Simple faith, childlike faith. God said it. He announced, he comes into the little flat we were living in, and he's so excited, beaming. Jonathan, my boy, I found you a job. And we're all thinking, Grant, what are you on, man? You're a retired miner. What do you know about salesmanship? What do you know about a career path? He was an uneducated man. His father was a drunkard. He used to beat his mother. He came from rough stock. He grew up hard. His life in many respects was backwards, but he had a spirit that could hear heaven. Jonathan, my boy, everything's going to change. There's the number, son. Ring the number. You got a job. So, you know, I can remember struggling with this. And, but John embraced it. He took the number. He said, okay, Grant, I'll ring. He rings the number. Surprise, surprise. They said, hey, we got a vacancy for a salesman. Why don't you come? We'll interview you and we'll get things going. So in he goes. And first of all, he gets a job in the stores to train him up. And then they launch him into a career and prepare him for that whole vacation, uh, vocation, 
It may have been a vacation. You never know. Tell you. That whole vocation of life. Absolutely incredible. Well, jump forward lots of years. I can remember going through a period of time where I was unemployed. Going to the job center. Not getting anywhere. About eight months on unemployment benefit. Thank God for unemployment benefit. I've been on it. I tell you, I'm not ashamed of it. Thank God that we live in a country where we can get benefit where we ha- when, when we haven't got work. But I was really down, you know. I just wanted, I, I wanted work. Well, one day my grandfather came on. David, my boy, don't worry anymore. I thought, oh man, what are you on? Don't you worry, my boy. I've got you a job. I thought, oh, Gramps, stop it now, man. Stop it. What do you mean? He said, well, I was on the bus going through Bryn Mawr, my boy. And I looked across, and he used to describe things, you know, really slow. I think he thought I was a bit thick, like, so, which would be true. Unfortunately, I was on the bus, boy, and I looked out of the window and I saw this sign, this office. And he said, the Lord spoke to me. There, in that office, is David's job. I said, Grant, stop it, man. And I really started to object. I really started to get off on one with my grandfather. This is a joke, man. You see, the things of the Spirit are not like the the things of the flesh. And very often the flesh wars against the spirit. Really does. And it objects. And it has to have a reason. And it has, to, it, it has to all add up. It has to be mathematical. There has to be an equation completed in order for something to happen. And none of that had happened. He says, ring the number. I'm not ringing the number. Are you nuts? I don't even know who's on the end of the number. I'm not ringing. David, my boy, do you want a job? Yes, Graham. We'll ring the number. And it must have been a 30-minute argument with my grandfather that I had, trying to fight. God was trying to bless. God was trying to give. God was trying to bring me into a new season, and I'm fighting. I'm fighting against what God wanted to bring me into with his prophet. So anyway, I ring the number. I said, oh, excuse me, I'm a fabricator welder. And uh, I just wondered if you had any vacancies in your, your engineering works. The phone went quiet. Um, well, we were just about to advertise the job tomorrow. Oh, right. Who's told you? Has somebody told you that we have a place in our, our, our factory, has somebody told you that we have an opportunity for one, not two, three or four, an opportunity for one welder fabricator? I said, well, um, my grandfather told me and God told him. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I didn't have the guts to. I would now. I tell you now. And uh, well, you better come for an interview. Come now. I went a few hours later, sat in the interview room. Again, they asked me, how did you know about this? We, it was only talked 
at director level. Let me tell you something now. God is in director's offices. God is in homes. God is in situations that we would never imagine him to be in. And he's setting things up just for you to walk into and reign in life in. He's got so many wonderful things for all of us. Only the directors knew. Let me tell you now, the next two years of my life, I had a great paying job that gave me finances to go to South Africa along with help from this church, great help from this church in order to go to Bible school in South Africa. It seemed as if everything was backward, but God took me forward. I'm telling you now, telling you now, you're going to walk. Do not be heavy laden. Jesus said, come unto me, I'll give you rest. And one of the ways that he gives you rest is that he puts word in you. He puts new life in you. He puts a fresh expectation and excitement in you. Some of you are lowly today. You're lowly. You're bent over with a yoke of, of bondage. And, and God says, enough is enough. There's newness of life for you. You're going to step into new opportunities. You're going to thrive in the house of God and do things that you never dreamed of. Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your people in this place. And Lord, we pray that your word would live in us, move in us, have its being in us. And as Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and what was conceived in her was the Christ child, we pray in the name of Jesus that as Paul prayed for Christ to be formed, Christ Jesus to be formed right in our spirit, we pray in Jesus' name that that would be so. Amen.